When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everyone? Welcome to this edition of There Can Only Be One, the podcast that puts together the all-star best-of playlists of your favorite bands and artists. Now, I have said on previous episodes that I have musical blind spots, and there are albums from artists that we have covered that I did not know existed. Today's artist, I knew they existed, but I had never heard a single song from them until researching for this episode. This episode, we are talking Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. And here to join me for this journey, Mark Shea from the Performance Anxiety Podcast, also on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Mark, welcome to the show for the first time. How are you doing? I am wonderful, man. Thank you so much for having me on. And I've been enjoying the past episodes and I got to say, you got the best radio voice or podcast slash radio <laughs> voice. I love it, man. It's it. I love listening to your show. Little did you know that when the microphone's not on, I just sound like I'm on helium. So really, yeah. it's <laughs> it's all smoke and mirrors here. It's all smoke and mirrors. That is how I love to roll. So let's let's do it. I'm set. Okay. So as we were preparing for the show, and you mentioned uh, doing Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, and I said, really, I've never heard a single song. Were you completely shocked? I was. I honestly was. I <laughs> I have a very tight circle of musical friends, and I have forced... If they don't love Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, I have forced them on them because um, they're my favorite active band. So they're... My favorites of all time are kind of, they, they get a little weird, but it's like, you know, obviously like Led Zeppelin, but there's the Verve and Black Rebel Motorcycle Club are like my top three. So the first two no longer are active. And so BRMC is uh, top active. Oh, I remember the Verve. I remember getting the, if I remember correctly, it was the Triple Scoop compilation cassette and it had on your own by the Verve on that cassette a, I said cassette, so that tells you exactly how old I am. But I remember that song being really, really good and so much better than Bittersweet Symphony. Oh, gosh. Yeah, Bitter- Urban Hymns is my least favorite of their albums. Uh, my favorite is first or second, Swarm in Heaven or Northern Soul. They're, those are just brilliant albums. We should, Unfortunately, they don't... Well, they do have a an album of B-sides. If that counts, you, you could do one on the Verve because that's that would be five albums total. Ooh, I'd, I'd be down for that. I'd be down for that. We'll have to book that one once we're done here. But before we do that, let's get into what we are talking about here. We are talking about Black Rebel Motorcycle Club and about to go through 10 albums in their studio discography. And as always, we are not doing any live albums. But we're going to start with BRMC, released April 3rd, 2001. The band at this point is Peter Hayes, Robert LaVon Bean, and Nick Jago. And again, I 
apologize if I mispronounce anyone's name. I am a Canadian idiot in a basement with a microphone. The album peaked at number... Idiot <laughs> upstairs in, with a microphone. See, we, we have it covered both sides of the water. We're good. We're good. Exactly. <laughs> the album peaked at number 25 in the UK and is gold in the UK. There were five singles off of this one. Spread Your Love charted the highest on the UK charts at number 27. However, whatever happened to my rock and roll punk song hit number seven on the UK indie charts. Now... For me, again, this is brand spanking new, first time ever hearing Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. And this is my first taste of them. I personally went with rifles off of this one because it's the bass line during the verses to the sweeping chorus. I mean, it's a really, really good mellow groove for me. But off of this first album, what did you go with? I picked Awake off of the album because it, it's got this... Very, um, I don't want to say psychedelic, but maybe floating verse. But once it hits that bridge and gets the chorus, there's this buzzsaw guitar that comes in, and that is completely that. That's basically what the sound of Black Rebel Motorcycle is at this time. It's uh, it's definitely my favorite song off the album, and I almost went with Punk Song because that was uh, probably their most popular track they used it in, in a lot of commercials and things like that that and spread your love were both used in, in in commercially quite a bit at least here in the u.s that's the thing and maybe it's because i'm canadian and i just haven't been you know really introduced or in in the the right arena to be able to hear them but you know as I'm listening to this and just getting a vibe for everything, you're right on the buzzsaw guitar sound and all that. And, you know, in answer to the question, how much reverb would you like on the vocals? Clearly the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I can see how this fits a very, not necessarily a chill vibe, but definitely sit back and have a good sip kind of vibe. Oh, for sure. And to put them into a little bit of perspective, uh, before joint or forming black rebel motorcycle club peter hayes kind of escaped brian jonestown massacre so if you ever watch the movie dig he's actually in it and you see him leaving brian jonestown massacre he actually in the middle of recording he left he got in a car and just drove away so <laughs> that's where maybe some of that that influence has rubbed off on some really early brmc stuff we now move on to August 25th, 2003, and the release of Take Them On, On Your Own. The album picked at number three in the UK and did hit the top 10 in Italy as well as hitting number 47 in the US. The album is gold in the UK. There were three singles off of this one. Stop hit number 19 on the UK charts. So off of Take Them On, On Your Own, what did you go with? I picked In Like The Rose, and Take Them On, On Your Own is actually my least favorite album by theirs it actually almost made me dismiss the band because it seems like they were kind of I don't want to say instructed but maybe encouraged to sound to, to kind of distill and write an entire album of songs that kind of sounded like the hits off of BRMC and those weren't my favorite songs on their debut album so when they just kind of focused on that sound they made an entire album of music that I was just kind of like Okay, um, it's not bad, but, you know. There's always this theory of the sophomore slump. You yes. know, and because, really, you have your entire life to write your first album, and then you got to put out a second album 
as soon as you're off the road touring from the first album. Yep. Does it feel with this album like it suffered from that sophomore slump? Completely. It feels like they were, you know, they were, they weren't confident enough in uh, making their own decisions maybe. And I've had Pete and, and Leah from Black Rebel Motorcycle Club on the podcast. And we talked a little bit about this and they were, they weren't completely, um, they didn't feel they were completely free to make their own, uh, I don't want to say decisions, but they, they, they were being guided more than making the decisions. And, and it was evident because they're, it's not as diverse as their previous album or any of the albums that came after it. I will say, I also went with In Like the Rose. And I think the thing for me with this song is, and maybe you can tell me whether I'm way off base or not, because again, this was all entirely uh, brand spanking new first listen for me, the entire discography. Yeah. This album had some Joy Division vibes to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, one thing to remember is that the bassist, oh, so, so there's, Peter and Robert are the bassist and the guitarist, and they kind of switch on and off depending on the song. Robert plays the plays bass most of the time. Pete plays guitar most of the time. They switch off on vocals, but it's uh, Robert's dad was in the call, and so he was touring with, with bands like New Order and, and you know listening to Joy Division and things because those were big influences on him. And uh, it's definitely definitely felt in this album. Oh, absolutely. It's as I was going through this album, specifically this album, I was definitely hearing those those Joy Division kind of vibes and really made me kind of think about that Joy Division documentary that came out not that long ago, which is a phenomenal documentary. If you love Joy Division at all, please by all means go and watch that film. But now we move on to August 22nd, 2005 and the release of Howl. The album peaked at number 14 in the UK and number 90 in the US and is silver in the UK. There were three singles off of this one. Ain't No Easy Way peaked at number 21 on the UK charts. So off of Howl, what did you go with? This was so tough because this is the album that actually brought me back into the band. They, in, in talking with Peter, they said that the uh, reaction to take them on on your own was not anything like they thought it was going to be. It wasn't, it didn't sell as much. The record company wasn't as happy with it, even though, you know, they, they kind of gave them what they wanted. And so they went into the studio with a effort. This is what we're doing. We're, we're going to make the album we want. I don't care what it sounds like. We, we're going to make it the way we want it to sound. And so even the album cover has a much more retro vibe. It's got a 60s record cover vibe on it. So I I went back and forth between Weight of the World and Ain't No Easy Way. And I think just because I've seen them live and I've seen what this song does live, I'm going to go with Ain't No Easy Way. This song just pumps everybody up. It's just incredible. There were certain songs on, well, going through the entire discography where I could sit there and say, yes, I could absolutely see myself and really enjoying this, uh, hearing it live. For me, off of this album, it's the song Promise, mainly because it's a, there's the piano swing that's on that. But I could see this playing well in either a small venue or even an arena 
or again, just sitting down with the headphones on. When it comes to the live experience for a band like this, and let, let's be honest, right? You're not getting straight radio play songs from them. You're getting a vibe through the whole thing. So for anyone who's never actually experienced them live, or in my case, up until this point, had never actually heard them, what <laughs> what is the BRMC live experience like? It's intense. It is fantastic. They, they will play a usually a pretty wide variety of songs from each of their albums. Um, the last time I saw them was actually uh, not this past summer because they didn't tour, but the summer prior. So it was at 2022. Um, and because of the connections I have, and I, I'm also a photographer. And so they let me come in and, and photograph the whole show. And it was a, a kind of a truncated set because they were uh, the middle band between Zola Jesus, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, and The Cult. And you will get ebbs and flows on in, during when, when they're the headliner because they will play the softer songs. They'll pull out the acoustics, but then they'll come back out and, and punch in the face with, uh, you know, with whatever happened to my rock and roll. If that song doesn't get played, people get mad. So it is, it's a great... I don't want to liken it to Led Zeppelin, seeing Led Zeppelin live because they were their own beast, but it ebbed and flowed a lot like a Led Zeppelin show where they would come in and and come out guns blazing and then do an acoustic set and then, you know, start roaring again for the encore. I think every band has that that one song that if that one song doesn't get played live, there's going to be fist flying. Oh yeah, <laughs> and that's 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 usually it's it we usually it's either spread your love or but most of the time it's a, a punk song. Whatever happened to my rock and roll? They I think they've played that at just about every show ever. See now I'm going to be very intrigued to go to like setlist.fm and backtrack and see if there's ever a show where they didn't play it, and then see if there's a corresponding death count with that show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There might be. You got to check hospital admissions afterwards. Exactly. Right. <laughs> if, if there is a high number of incidents, quote unquote, yes. around that time, we know what happened. Exactly. Exactly. And actually, I I have pulled up the set list from the last show I was at, and it's a little bit shorter than most. It's only 11 songs. So uh, usually it's quite a bit longer. But since they were the middle band in a three band uh not a festival, but you know, when you get the cult, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, and Zola Jesus, who is also amazing, it it had an awesome, almost festival vibe because there were so many different, so many different types of music. Well, having seen the cult live, I can see how that would be a phenomenal bill. Yeah. We now move on to a little bit later and the Howl Sessions EP, which was a collection of unreleased tracks from the Howl Sessions. So off of this one, not a lot to choose from, but still some good stuff on there. What did you go with? Uh, again, see, so this is where things get difficult because with the first album, I knew exactly what I wanted. And with the second album, didn't like as much of it. So I kind of had, an, it was easier for me to pick, but from how on it gets hard for me to pick and the house sessions, even though there's, I think six songs on it, I had, I had to kind of pick between my two favorites, wishing well and pretend. And I kind of, I went against my gut at this point and I went with pretend just because it has a different vibe from the energetic songs that I've picked for the other stuff it, it's a little bit different but it's still an incredible song it's funny because as I was listening to these songs 
the two that were vying for my attention are diametrically opposed. Okay. On the one hand, you got Steel Arrive, which has got a like a really good toe tapping kind of feel to it, and on the other side, you've got Mercy, which feels like a very haunting campfire coffee shop kind of feel. And I ended up going with Mercy because there's something about this band. And again, this is all brand spanking new to me. So first of all, thank you for introducing me to the band and oh. give, give me the opportunity to, to kind of go down this road. I am so happy. But the thing is, it's like, and, and I've discussed this on past episodes before, where you find yourself when you're deep diving or in discovery mode, locking into certain aspects of what the band can produce because you know, a lot of bands or other, they can do a lot of different things, but sometimes they do one thing really, really well. And for me, it's the haunting campfire. And I'm going to say this glass of bourbon, because you you have a sip going right about now, you know, but that, that kind of sit back and have a sip kind of feel to it. Oh, for sure. They really do have a special knack for that kind of song and and mercy mercy was almost i don't it was definitely up there it's like you said it was so hard to pick i'd i had my top three and then it, i would put it down to two and i'm like oh between these but mercy i've seen them play that live and it's just magical it's just and you hit the nail on the head it's it's haunting and it's beautiful Moving on to April 27th, 2007, and the release of Baby 81. The album picked a number 15 in the UK and number 46 in the US. There were two singles off of this one. Weapon of Choice peaked at number 35 in the UK. As I was listening to this, um, as I mentioned on the second album, I was getting some Joy Division vibes. Off of this one, I was getting some Biffy Clyro vibes uh, off of the cathedral opening of All You Do Is Talk. And I can really see how this one would go over so well, maybe as a set opener. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know that they've ever opened a set with it, to be honest. With you. I'm not sure. It's not, it, it's one they, on that tour, they played a lot. And I think the tour afterwards, but in the last couple, I don't think, I could be mistaken. I know they didn't play it the last time. Well, crap, I've got it up. Let me take a look. Maybe make sure I'm not uh, lying to you here. Let's <laughs> uh, see. No, they didn't, they didn't play it the last time I saw them. So uh, I know I have seen them play it live, and it is really good. And that's the thing. They're a trio, and so their sound is pretty dense. And so the songs you would think get pared down a little bit and reconfigured, but they're pretty dense live too they have an, an incredible live sound oh i mean there's nothing saying that a power trio can't be like completely nerdly powerful there's a reason why it's a power right. trio but you yes. think you think of bands like rush and you think of bands like triumph um one of the loudest performers i ever saw was biffy clyro at the rock on the range festival i think it was 2017 perhaps like they were loud to the point of i've never really felt the need to grab earplugs but holy crap i needed earplugs and i wasn't even near the front of the stage i was back by the soundboard because i'm one of those people who likes to just plant themselves right by the soundboard because that is where you get the best sound put yourself as yeah. close to the person who's doing the mix as possible Biffy Clyro was freaking loud, but they were phenomenal. I am not familiar with this. You know, so so we're doing this, and you've never heard of Black Rover Motorcycle. Well, you heard of it, but you've never heard them. I'm not familiar with Biffy Clyro, so I am going to have to check Biffy Clyro out after this podcast. 
Oh, you have to. You absolutely have to do a deep dive on them. I think you will totally enjoy them. Oh, but, awesome. But off of Baby 81, what did you go with? Well, you know, I've picked All You Do Is Talk. And this had, this album has so many songs to choose from. It's, it's such a diverse group of songs. There's so many different sounds in this album. It was tough to pick one, but I did choose All You Do Is Talk. It's almost reassuring to me. Like, talking to someone who is a, a large fan of the band and me who's never gone down this road before and the fact that we're actually matching up on them i almost feel like i'm listening to them correctly is if that yeah. feels that does that makes that makes total sense though and uh, as a note this is the last album with the original drummer nick jago he was fired after this album and what was really cool and i learned this when they came on the podcast the first time was that once they fired nick they'd still had tour dates that they had to honor and so to bring things full circle maybe in the middle of the podcast they they hired they reached just reached out out of the blue and hired as a touring drummer pete salisbury from the verve oh excellent yeah <laughs> yes. so that was really cool we have come full circle <laughs> but but these last two albums it's where i really start to feel especially baby 81 is where they start to really discover their sound they they with, with Howell, they they really decided, I'm gonna we're gonna forge our own path now. And Baby Eighty One, they really started to discover what that path was and what that sound was. There is something so almost not 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 so comforting, but definitely you know ear warming, if you will, when you find that album where the band really does find exactly what their sound is supposed to be. Which is, I'm sure, yeah. why a lot of people really gravitate towards Rush's Twenty One Twelve. Speaking of power, you know, power trios. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I agree completely. And this is that album for Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. And it's one of the albums that I go back to a, because I, I kind of, I don't want to say I stick with my favorites, but it's one of the ones that's always in, in my constant rotation. Later on that year, December 4th, was the release of American X, The Baby 81 Sessions, which is a collection of B-sides and unreleased tracks. So we got another EP on the list here. So off of this, what did you go with? I chose 20 hours and this was an interesting compilation because they had all this, the, uh, B sides and they did have uh, American X, which was on the album, but they also had a video for it, which is one of the reasons they released this is because they had done this epic, the song's 10 minutes long or so. And so they did this epic video for it and they kind of gathered a bunch of their unreleased material and put it out as this EP and they also had something which is it's a little weird. They had a song that's an outtake from an album that hasn't been released yet on this album. So Last Chance for Love, which was all, almost the pick that I chose, was an outtake from the next album that has that we haven't even talked about yet. It's funny you mentioned that because Last Chance for Love is my pick off of this album. It feels like we scripted this. It feels like either you, you stole my notes. I think you did. But the thing is, for me, this one, the guitar tone is lyric itself in this. And there are certain songs from their discography where I can sit there and say, yes, you have vocalists, you got a lot of reverb, but that guitar tone sings just as much or as, as well as the lead singer. Oh, for sure. It's really, it's, it's a, and we'll talk about it with, with the upcoming album. It's a very unique song 
and which which leads into the uh, unique album coming up but yeah it's uh there's it's a strange mix of stuff and i mean unf- i know we have the constraints of the podcast but they have some amazing stuff that that just fall through the cracks like stuff that comes out on soundtracks or they would do christmas releases for for the fan club and so it would be a download only song and you would get weird things like last chance for love on stuff like that too and so it's just they're just they're an odd little band and i and i love them so much <laughs> odd is good there is nothing yes. wrong with that <laughs> Speaking of odd, let's throw a, a complete outlier into the mix here. Yeah. November 1st, 2008, and the release of The Effects of 333. This is a completely instrumental album and released on their own imprint, Abstract Dragon. I, yes. As I was listening to this, and it's no surprise to our listeners, but I have to reiterate my full-on love of sci-fi films. As I was listening to this movie, it felt like it would have worked as the soundtrack to George Lucas's THX 1138. Ooh, I didn't think about that, but wow. That's, I may have to like sync those up and give that a shot. Is this going to be like Dark Side of the Moon and the Wizard of Oz where you just like sync it up to the third roar of the lion and you're good to go? But you got to make sure you add Last Chance for Love in there somewhere. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But that's the thing. Like the first couple of songs on this, it really feels like a sci-fi soundscape for a very avant-garde kind of film. So when you get to this, you as a fan, when you get to this album, is this intriguing or a, a, a weird left turn at Albuquerque? Yeah. It is. It's both. It's, <laughs> it can be both. It's, it's just, it's so bizarre. I remember, because it was only released as, as, like you mentioned, as a download. And I remember not knowing anything about it. They just said, oh yeah, we've got this album coming out. It's, you know, we're self-releasing it. And, and, I know why, because it's basically what it is. It's just stuff that they worked on on tour. They were like what they were recording on the road. It's ideas that they were working on that just wasn't they they weren't going to fit anywhere. They had lost their drummer. You know, they were working with a temporary drummer at the time. And so it's just little uh, workouts to just to, to experiment and they knew i believe they they just they knew it, it wasn't going to ever be anything that ended up on an album but then they kind of started finding these bits and pieces and i'm like this is interesting why don't we just why don't why don't we just put this out for for fans as a download and it you know um with no oh, no lyrical content for the most part i think the last the last song has vocals but you can't they're not really words you can't understand them you don't know what's going on but even with that it's very it's a very eerie album it's uh it's just very everything's very modulated on the vocals cut and paste and it's everything's pretty much unintelligible but it's just a strange album i I remember kind of feeling i don't want to say disappointed with it but i remember kind of like you know like when a dog doesn't really understand what's going on you just kind of cock your head don't it's kind of what I did. So off of this album, what did you go with? I picked, uh, and that's the other thing. The, the song titles are a little odd. So I picked 
and with this comes. So it's it's kind of odd. Funny enough, I actually went with and with this comes as well. And again, for me, it's it's very much the the ambient guitar vibe off this. But I had to point out a twisted state is such an outlier on this album. Like you have on an outlier album. That's just <laughs> like it. Is that make it an inlier? I guess I'm not quite sure. <laughs> it's a double Audi. But I I will say that. Anyone who liked Pink Floyd's The Endless River, which, of course, was the instrumental album that came out not that long ago, and it felt more like kind of like instrumental outtakes from when they were doing The Division Bell. This album, if if you like that album, you will probably like this one as well. Yeah, and A Twisted State was one that I was considering, um, or Needed was another one, so it's... If you let it go and don't pay attention to it, it's interesting background music and, and this, it does tend to melt together. So you don't really notice it. it you know, it's, and there's not one thing that's going to hit you and, and, and shake you out of whatever you're doing. Like, oh, that's my favorite song. Let me turn it up. It's, it's just ambient, a weird ambient album. Yeah, it's not road trip material, but... <laughs> By, by you'll be going 20 kilometers an hour down the road. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, staring, oh, yeah, and you'll have that thousand-yard stare. Yeah, exactly. At that point, just pull off to the side of the road and wait for the album to finish, and then you're going to be good. Exactly. Exactly. March 5th, 2010, saw the release of Beat the Devil's Tattoo. At this point, we now have Lee Shapiro on drums replacing uh, Nick Jago. The album peaked at number 58 in the UK and at the same position in the US. There was one single off of this one. The title track beat the devil's tattoo off of this one. What's your pick? Uh, My pick on this one is beat the devil's tattoo with half state. The epic 10 minute song at the end being really close to being picked. But I, I just beat the devil's tattoo is basically the song that they start a lot of shows with now. And it's, just, it's, it's among BRMC fans, it's a classic song. And so it's, and it's got, just got this really great pounding rhythm and it's a heavy song with a lot of acoustics, much like, like, like Led Zeppelin's first album. It's a heavy album, but most of the guitars on that were acoustic. And that's kind of what this reminds me of. I found in comparison to a lot of their earlier albums, this album had a lot of groove to it. Yeah. It did. It has, um, and it, you know, being Leah's first album with the band, it's, you know, it's, uh, they're feeling each other out a little bit, you know, not, I mean, they, they'd known each other for a while, but they, uh, Leah was touring with a few different bands that had toured with BRMC, like the Ravenettes and all. And so they knew each other, but working together is a whole different thing. And, you know, you still have to feel each other out. And so I think this was a really cool album to uh to, to get the new feel of the band and it sounds like bad blood and like, you almost get a my bloody valentine feel when the guitars kick in or in the chorus it's it's uh it's a really good good solid album for a new drummer oh yeah i mean and that's the thing I, this album really the songs that had the grooves were the ones that kind of made my short list mama taught mm-hmm. me better was definitely on the the almost made it list but yeah. it's for me, it's conscience killer off this one. 
Oh, yeah. Good. It also, and again, I, I I feel like I'm making a lot of comparisons here, but that, that's kind of what you do when you're experiencing something for the first time. You make comparisons to known quantities and known entities. So for me, Conscience Killer had almost a Black Keys vibe to it. Yeah. It, oh, I can absolutely see that. And it's that's what they get that buzzsaw guitar going, in, especially at the end. And then Leah's just pounding the crap out of those drums. Is uh, I, I absolutely. That's a great track. I'm glad you picked that one. That actually didn't make my short list, but it is a it, it is one of my favorites on the album. Just, but it's one I forget about. You know, it's it's interesting because it, it's I think it's the second track on the album, but it's between some amazing stuff like like Bad Blood, which the My Bloody Valentine feel to that the guitar is it, it's just I love My Bloody Valentine so. And Aya was another one that live will blow your ears out. So if you go see them and they start playing Aya live, put your earplugs in. Good to know. Good to know. If Biffy Clyro hasn't ruined my ears at this point after that show at Rock on the Range, <laughs> I'm I'm ready to destroy them. Okay, excellent. We now move on to March 18th, 2013, and the release of Spectre at the Feast. The album peaked at number 31 in the UK and number 35 in the US. There was one single off of this one. Let the day begin. This album, you know, there, there's there's a lot of backstory to this. Is of course this is the first album that wasn't produced by Michael Bean, who was the producer and father of Robert Levon Bean uh, right. after he passed away. How tough had this album been to to make? This for the band, it was really. Uh, it's called Spectre at the Feast, and there are a lot of specters in this album because. Like you said, you know, Robert's father passed away. He wrote the song Returning for him, which Returning made my short list. Uh, spoiler, it's not my choice, but it's it's one of the most beautiful songs on the album. Uh, and shortly after the recording, Leah was diagnosed with uh, Chiari, malfunction, mal, Chiari malformations. Chiari malformations? Malfunctions? I got to remember which it, which it was, but which required brain surgery. So she had to go in for brain surgery and then had to relearn how to play drums. And it took you know over a year for her to, to recover, to get the surgery. And they had to, you know, help raise funds because they're independent artists. You know, they don't have all, you know, and they're, they're not like, you know, Rolling Stones where, you know, the, Mick Jagger has a heart condition. They can fly him over here to the U.S. to get, you know, worked on. They're independent artists. They, they needed some help. So they did a, like a GoFundMe and she was able to get the surgery and had to rehab and, and relearn how to play drums. So they were actually not touring this, this album for quite a while. So it's, it, it, this album was, is a heavy album for the band. Yeah, it, it feels like there's a lot of both purging and catharsis at the same time while, while the, with the writing of this one. But off of this album, what song did you go with? I went with Sell It. Because that song kind of encapsulates all the different songs on the album, the different sounds on this album. And this might be my favorite BRMC album. It's just got so many different tracks to it. Um, I like, like, you know, Beat the Devil's Tattoo was great. And actually, Beat the Devil's Tattoo, I did forget to mention, was themed on Edgar Allan Poe. So this one, no no theme that I can remember, but it the... Uh, it, it's my, it is my favorite, and I don't know where the hell I was going with that whole theme thing, but <laughs> it, it, uh, it's it got, it, oh, I, I, yeah, 
<laughs> now I remember. There's there was a little bit of constraint because of the theme. I feel like they even did an Edgar Allan Poe cover on the album. They did Annabelle Lee on Beat the Devil's Tattoo. And they kind of freed themselves up a little bit more. I think they, you know, Leah had been there. They were touring. They were more comfortable together. And I think they kind of felt a little free, more free to expand the sound, to experiment a bit more. And that's that's one of the reasons I think it's it's my favorite BRMC album. My pick off of this album is Lullaby. And there's there's a few bands that it really reminded me of. The first one you, you're going to know. It's Radiohead. Yeah. But the second one, there was a Canadian band called Pilot, and they eventually changed their name to Pilot Speed. And the, I remember seeing Pilot before they got signed to a to to a label, and before the name change. And I actually still have the that EP that they had or that they were touring on at the time, and just being able to experience this very. <sighs> good radiohead vibe like we're, we're, we're talking like pre-okay computer like the the ben's era radiohead oh, yeah, yeah. you know the yeah. good stuff right yeah <laughs> lullaby reminded me so much of that first experience seeing pilot live and you know the, the band's no longer together anymore and you actually cannot find that ep anywhere out there not on really? youtube not on spotify and i still got it here and it's all good but yeah oh, no wow. it's it's it was just a moment so i put that story out there to say this when you go see a band live dear listeners go to the merch booth and buy their CDs because oh, yeah. you never know when one of these bands is either A, going to make it big and you never get a chance to see it, or B, when you have these artists that are really living off of what they do at the shows, right? The, the concert tickets that get sold and the merch that they sell. Support the bands. Go see yeah. them before you can't see them because you would not believe how much that goes to helping those bands out. So by all means, merch up when you're there. Trust me. Oh, yeah. Go with a with a nice budget because another thing to, to consider and something that I've discovered in my, you know, what am I, 30 years of going to see bands now, if it's not an enormous band, if it's not like, you know, Bush or the Rolling Stones or uh, Radiohead, you you might find some tour exclusives. It's like uh, I've gotten a bunch, of, like like you mentioned, the EP for Pilot. I've gotten a few EPs um, and tour only things uh, at shows. One of the most recent ones I went to was uh, Griff Reese opening up for the band This Is the Kit, and they had a limited edition EP. Is a two songs, each band doing a cover of the other band, and they had two hundred copies, and they almost sold them out the first show. I was at the first show, and they, I bought copy one hundred and ninety three. So, you, know, <laughs> you can find some really cool stuff, and that's not going to be out anywhere else. So, you can find some really ex- wild, exclusive stuff. Oh yeah, I mean, I remember going to see uh, the Interrupters when they were here in Toronto, and they were talking about like one of the first shows they ever played in this area was at this small little club in Oshawa. Uh, you know, Pop Evil once called it the Dirty Schwa, and there's a reason. But <laughs> but it's one of those things where like if you get the chance to go see these bands at these smaller shows, or you know, whenever they do make it to your town, just enjoy the moment. Go and merch up. 
rock out and have a good time. Yeah, you're supporting the artist. If you like them, you're helping them to come back because they know where they sell merch and the, and the door. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll take note of that stuff. We now move on to the last album of our journey, Wrong Creatures, released January 12th, 2018. The album hit number 35 in the UK and hit number eight in Switzerland. There were four singles off of this one. Unfortunately, none of them charted. So off of this last album, what did you go with? Uh, there was no doubt in my mind on this one. There's there's some that were close, but I had to go with Echo. That song is just, it's, to me, it's maybe the best Black Rebel Motorcycle Club song recorded. It's just amazing. It's got a, almost like a, a Lou Reed walk on the wild side bass sound. But when, when Robert and, and Peter write a song together, it's just magical. And this song is just it it's amazing see i feel bad now because you say that was the the best song ever recorded and it's not my pick um (laughs) (laughs) well i had others that came close like uh ninth configuration um and carried from the start were really close but there's just something about that song that it just hits me really deeply see for me this album started and ended with haunt and that was on my short list and again, you get those Radiohead fives, but it also had a very, for lack of a better term, Chris Isaac Wicked Game kind of vibe to it. And like, again, like just just one of those things where Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, when they get into that haunting type mode, it's really that that for me, that's the ear candy from this band. Yeah, and what one of my favorite things it, with this album is it's. The return of Leah, you know, she's back and she's, she's able to record. She's back full strength. You know, she, this is when I actually reached out to, uh, see if they would be willing to come on the podcast. And to my surprise, she answered, I, cause I wanted to know what happened, you know, about the condition and how she was doing. Cause the album had just come out and, uh, reached out on, it was Twitter at the time, <laughs> not expecting any reply. And I didn't hear anything from two or three months and to my surprise one day I get a mess a, a direct message in my Twitter feed and it it's from Lee and she's like I'd, yeah I'd love to do the podcast let, let me know when and since then we just you know we stayed in touch and she got me the uh the ability to come in and be an official photographer for them for their their show uh I live close to DC but I had to miss that show so I we drove my wife and I drove up to Pittsburgh the day before and went to go see that show. So, mm, love Pittsburgh. Absolutely love yeah. Pittsburgh. I've been, I visited there at least once, and it is wonderful city. All right. Yeah, so one now, time for me too, and I loved it. So now I'm going to give you the really hard job here. So before we do, before we figure out which one stands up above all, please go through your list again and remind our listeners which songs you picked off of which album, and then, then if there can only be one. Which song is it going to be? Okay. So off the BRMC debut, I chose Awake. From Take Them On On Your Own, I chose In Like The Rose. From Howl, I chose Ain't No Easy Way. The Howl Sessions, I chose Pretend. From Baby 81, All You Do Is Talk. American X, The Baby 81 Sessions, I chose 20 Hours. The Effects of 333, and with this comes Beat the Devil's Tattoo. I chose the album track, Beat the Devil's Tattoo. 
Spectre at the Feast, I chose Sell It. And Wrong Creatures, I chose Echo. And if there can only be one, what song is it going to be? This was so tough. Last Chance for Love. No, I'm, I'm and with this comes. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> it was between Echo and 20 Hours. And I said Echo is probably the best Black Rebel Motorcycle Club song on record. And I did not choose it. I went with 20 Hours. And why that one over top of Echoes? Uh, there's the guitar. It's it's a little more rock than Echo. Echo is a little more groove. Uh, it's a little on this, their softer side. And 20 Hours is, while not anything like Teenage Disease or Conscience Killer, there's... A harder guitar, it kind of harkens back a little bit to their psychedelic period, which I like a lot. Um, but when they hit that bridge and they have these echoey guitar lines, that's, you can't, I can't beat that. It's just, that's it for me. And a reminder to our listeners that you can go to our website at notthatbadcast.com to the There Can Only Be One page and see both the playlists from Mark and I and have a, have a listen to the songs that are there. And for songs that aren't available on Spotify, I'm going to put the uh, YouTube links for those songs where I can, just so you can actually hear them all. Okay, for my list, off of BRMC, I went with Rifles. From Take Them On On Your Own, I went with In Like The Rose. I picked Promise off of Howl and Mercy off of the Howl Sessions EP. Off of Baby 81, I went with All You Do Is Talk. And off of the American X Baby 81 Sessions EP, I went with Last Chance for Love. From the effects of 333, I went with End With This Comes. I picked Conscience Killer off Beat the Devil's Tattoo. Lullaby off of Spectre at the Feast. And off of Wrong Creatures, I went with Haunt. But if there can only be one, and this one's tough... Yeah. Because I'm flip-flopping between two here. Okay. And it may change tomorrow. It may change the next day back. But I think I'm going to go with Promise off of this one from Howl. Oh, nice. But it was it's between that and Lullaby. And I think Promise kind of wins out. And I, more because it, even though it's not one of those haunting vibe kind of feels to it, I still love... Ex- the fact that I could picture myself listening to this in almost any environment, whether it be live or sitting in that chair with the headphones on, glass of something in the hand, and just relaxing. Oh, for sure. And that, they actually played that live on that tour with the trombone occasionally. Oh, that would be good. That'd Pete be so broke out good. the trombone. In fact, there's a video of it. They they did release a live album. They've released, I think, three live albums and on their very first one, it's just called Live, it comes with a DVD and it's got some outtakes and all and you can see Pete playing the, the trombone on it. And so I'm not exactly sure if they played it in front of an audience with the trombone, but I know he pulled out a trombone and they, they do have it recorded somewhere. <laughs> that I'm going to have to check that out for sure. Mark, thank you so much for this. Now, before we go, please let our listeners know about the Performance Anxiety Podcast and where they can find you out there on the internets. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on. This has been a blast. And I love going back and, and listening to some of the albums that I maybe you know haven't listened to in a little while. So I host the Performance Anxiety Podcast on Pantheon Podcasts. It's a show that tries to get behind the scenes stories from artists. Um, 
mainly musicians. Uh, we do, we have, we, we release an album, uh, an episode every week, but we do also branch out. We've had chefs on, we've had photographers, uh, authors, uh, poets. So we do try to hit all creative areas and, uh, you can find me on all the socials at Performance ANX, and I'm on Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, I guess, Apple, all at Performance Anxiety, um, or you can look us up on, uh, I think, Pantheon's homepage. Mark, there is a seat waiting for you whenever you want to come back, and we will have to set up that Verve episode somewhere down the road. I would love it. You man, you just name the time and place. Perfect. And to you, our listeners, thank you for listening to this episode of There Can Only Be One. Now, you guys know the drill. If there is an artist that you want us to cover, be sure to hit us up on social media at OnlyOneCast or go to our website at NotThatBadCast.com. And while you're there, make sure you check out all of our other shows, including our brand new one on the There Can Only Be One channel, Spin, Shuffle, Skip. Until next time, he's Mark. I'm Jay. This is There Can Only Be One, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.